Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Uttang dhammang sangang namasami So someone sent me an article recently on um, uh, why why not meditate. In other words, why you know the uh, uh, reasons why one shouldn't meditate. <laughs> And uh, it's quite a useful article, so I certainly agree with it. <laughs> it seems strange, you know, just about having retreats, and yet uh, sometimes you recognise that uh, the whole sense of retreat and meditation can uh, trigger off particular unskillful um, reflexes, mind states, and uh, yeah. And this this article uh, highlighted this woman had been through quite a few different meditation systems. She herself hadn't had too much of a problem, but she'd noticed a few, quite a few occasions where people were going psychotic, <laughs> obsessive, or either pushing too hard, you know, trying to get somewhere, and then basically having some kind of breakdown. Or dissociating, where you can sit, sort of sit back into this, what you think is witnessing what's going on, but actually stuff is going on, crazy stuff is going on, and you just sit there in this kind of fixated trance until you go psychotic. <laughs> so, you know, the, the sense of being the, either trying to get to, to some state or another, you know, it can be very dot, very, very, uh, Unskillful, and also the sense of just being here, being present, can be very unskillful. Um, and yet, the, these are often what we associate with meditation. Mm. Mm. And yeah, you know, there's always a percentage of that, that of occurrences of that nature. I think other of us, other of us, others of us, you know, can feel those those tendencies, and perhaps don't, you know, take go that far down that route to the point where you do get this sense of the mind cracking up, you know. Mm. So overall, we, uh, of course, you know, it's, it's this need for mindfulness and and full awareness, sampajanya and samadhi, unification of mind and wisdom and all these things are, are highly recommended and yet uh, the, uh, the ground which they arise out of uh, is important and sometimes this is the piece that People don't get because they come perhaps to Buddhist practice with a feeling of seeing these people sitting still and upright, Buddha sitting still and upright. This is what you do, you know, and you go to a retreat or you go to a monastery, you see people sitting still and upright, and that's what you do. And you see a system laid down in the books, quite clear, step one, two, three, four, five. It's, it's quite attractive, you know. Um, but the, the, you know, in general, in true, cultivation is much more broad than that, and it, there's all the systems arise out of cultivating what are called barami, 
that's particular skills and virtues such as patience and kindness and equanimity and honesty, truthfulness, um, morality, generosity, energy, resolve. These are you know these are just a handful of things you you can you can kind of realize as generally need for all round cultivation because the practice is is holistic. In other words, it kind of embraces everything. So everything, if it's not holistic, we should be very cautious about it because if it's not holistic, it means we're operating through one channel, you know, of, of our capacities, perhaps, uh, you know, like, like what I'm going to do. So this can be quite a common um, uh, feature of, of meditators. Get, so I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to do this, focus on this. I'm going to get constant, you know, my mindfulness is this and people are getting in the way of my mindfulness and this is the way I do it. You try to organize the world or other people or your life around your mindfulness, what you think your mindfulness is. And so you get this kind of, kind of tyranny of mindfulness <laughs> because you've got an idea that it's, things got to operate at a certain speed, a certain rate, you know, nothing chaotic or crazy has got to happen. It's got to be organized. So this uh, this feeds into our this aspect of our nature is about controlling experience. Well, you all have this tendency, we all this this inner switch wishes to control things, to make things feel safe and suitable and comfortable for myself, and that's you know that's what we have, and we organise our lives around that. Uh, and yet, in Dharma practice, what you're trying to do is actually widen that capacity, so you, you get much more tolerance, a much greater field of uncertainty and unpredictability that you can still feel very centered and steady within. Otherwise, you know, that that's the point of it, in a way. Because yeah. we're really trying to come to terms with, with life, with our bodies, with health, with what's happening to other people, with people, you know, getting angry or sick or being born or new stuff happening. You know, you feel you can meet this. So... That your, your mind is becoming more, having more capacity to meet life rather than less. You know, if you can only meet life through one little channel, if things come, you know, nice, right pace, come in through the door one at a time, nice and even and steady, you know, well, <laughs> dream on, you know. It doesn't happen like that, does it? So you can find this, and you're kind of trying to control everything to make it go that way. Yeah. Because from a, can, you know, from a conceptual point of view, that sounds best. You know, he's nice and organised, steady, calm, see it clearly. Um, but with that, we are really kind of imposing something on experience because it isn't that way. If you notice, every moment you can feel a certain twinges in your body. You're sitting here, there's thoughts, the sounds, you can feel the warmth in the room. If you have certain emotional stirrings of interest, energies coming and going, it's, it's, you look at it, it's really a, it's a holistic experience, isn't it? It's something happening in your body, your memories, your emotions, your interests, um, thoughts, it's all kind of moving around. Uh, but of course, we, in, in Dharma practice, we're not just kind of buying into all that, but you want to keep that sense of open awareness to all of, all of that. Not necessarily homing in on it, but recognizing this is, this is where we are. And you're setting up a particular intention to, to, uh, 
to focus, to, to, to learn, to understand, to release suffering. So you're seeing any of this stuff that's bringing up a quality of conflict or you're getting confused by, you're getting fascinated by, getting mesmerized by, then, hey, what's happening? Checking it out. So if you sit quietly for a few minutes, you find pretty soon something starts to take over in the mind. You know, a worry or a concern or something we really like to be doing, something that's bothering us about an event of the day or a feeling in your body. Something takes over and becomes central. And then, you know, that's what you have to meet. So in a way, the, 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 you know, to a certain extent, the focus finds itself and we do meditation exercises to warm up our ability to focus and be mindful but uh, in the, the big picture of practice is you're using it, these exercises to sharpen up particular tools develop strengths and uh, along with this in your daily life you're developing things like generosity morality patience equanimity you know every situation can bring that up for you so that you can meet what arises So you can meet what arises. You can meet yourself. You can meet your unresolved stuff. You can meet the things that disappoint or irritate or feel give you pressure. You can meet your suffering, in fact. You can meet the places where you feel stressed or you feel something's missing. You know, you want to meet that because this is the essence of the practice is meeting this quality of dukkha, loss, inadequacy, unsatisfactoriness, pressure, you know, whatever it is, the stuff that sort of puts the finger on you, meeting that and reviewing it so we can come to the to the underlying cause of that and relinquishing that, relinquishing that cause. And the, a lot of our practices in general is path to enabling that to happen. You can look at it very simply um, pay attention to all of it. Yeah. Develop the skills of, of strengthening your attention and the skills of tuning in your attention. So your attention is not speak, you know, trying to rush over things, but actually able to hold things in mind, bear things in mind. Good mindfulness, paying attention. Then meeting what arises. Yeah. And then as you meet what arises, you, you gradually get the capacity to include more and more. So you meet what arises, then include it. Include all of it. Include the bad times, the good times, the uncertain times. Yeah. Include that. Include the feeling if you don't know what you're doing, include that. Uh, include that sense of uncertainty. Bring that there. Look at that. Contemplate what that does. So you just keep working through this continual process of arising. Yeah. <clears throat> Once you get that point, you recognise ne- you're never really lost for a moment of practice. You never really have, you know, you're never uncertain about what you should be doing because if you get the sense of uncertainty, you think, ah, oh, this is uncertainty, that's what I need to meet. <laughs> you know, there's quite quite a few quite a lot of that going on <clears throat> all the certainties you know the blazing certainties 
Is it? If you're very certain this is this and that's that and it's only this and it can't be anything other than that. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm, meet that one. <clears throat> so quite a lot of this uh, uh, is about what we mean by meeting something. And what we mean by arising. Because it's like you don't start off with a blank slate. There's already stuff there. So you can find yourself in a day walking around, doing things. And, well, where am I? What am I doing? You know, We're already in. We don't notice something's already arisen. It's taken over. I think the other day I was just uh, kind of coming back to my, my lodgings and walking along. And feeling this, yeah, it's feeling a real feeling of pressure. And disappointment. I hadn't realised it was there. You know, it's kind of moving me along when you don't, you don't realise you're carrying it. And then, what's this? And then I, it's just, you know, rather than feeling it shouldn't be there, what's this? And then stop, feel that feeling, that mind state, the sense of pressure, something feeling disappointed, feeling of, you can almost feel it in the nerves, like nerve endings that are contracted. And then, oh. And then I could sense it was just, you know, uh, like in this particular position, you're always getting a range of pieces of information, telephone calls, emails, you know, just a couple of few things. Because sometimes you get three or four things happening quite, quite quickly, one on top of the other. So you haven't actually met the first thing before the next thing comes on. You haven't really unfolded or, or, or been with that. Uh, so the next thing happens. So you get, something comes on the phone. You go, oh, that's. T-. And then somebody else comes in and asks you a question. You go, oh yeah. And then somebody comes in with a problem. You go, oh right. And the first one, you haven't actually finished with that. It still sits there. So you get a kind of wadge of stuff. And I'm sure this is the same for everyone. So it's just a sense of a, a wadge of stuff, seemingly a wadge of stuff. Stop. Feel that feeling of pressure, of weight, of disappointment. Then be with that. Stop. Then I could see, or immediately the topics that had started that came to mind and just dissolved. Oh, there are no problems. Just suddenly it all melted away. That's what I mean by meeting something. Without it, then one can go on for an hour or two, going, oh, well, I'm stumping around, uh, you know. Uh, there's that, that, that residue contaminating what one's doing. And the thing with multitasking, when you get a lot of stuff happening, what it, the effect it has on me is it gets me, I start to get busy doing things. To, to try to, in some ways unconsciously, to get rid of that feeling of there's so many things to do, you start doing things. But actually, the easiest way to get rid of the sense of so many things to do is to stop doing things. <laughs> because if you, you know, they say, if you want something done, find a busy man. 
because that's the person who continues to keep doing things rather than, oh, that's okay. Someone who hasn't actually put down or the last thing. So when it gets like that, when you feel a sense of pressure and momentum pushing you along, where you know, just stop, check. Where are you? What's really happening? And what's happening is a sense of pressure and momentum. And you just meet that. Sometimes you can feel it in your body, a certain tightening in your chest or a pressure in your head or a, a pulse rate or a push going on. You're sort of moving along quickly. Just meet that. Just pay attention to that. Meet it like you just mm-hmm, very open, not trying to make anything out of it, understand it, not trying to release it, not trying to change it. Mm-hmm. And it sort of goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. And it, it, you know, it's like it evaporates. It does for me anyway. Or you get down to one particular niggling thought that you have to look at more closely. So it's like unpeeling. You know, peeling layers off of this mass of stuff that, that can seem so massive and heavy if we don't meet it. When you get very busy, uh, one of the, another phenomenon occurs is the sense of the future. The pressure of the future. The pressure of it's got to get done by or what will happen if or how long can we go on for or What's going to be like in two years' time? This kind of thing comes up. You get the sense of the, the future. Wow. And it's, it seems so real because we can all say, yeah, there's the future, there's going to be Christmas, there's going to be 2011, there's going to be, I'm going to be older. Yeah. But that is a creation in the mind, isn't it? When you're having a shower, you don't, you're not thinking about, will you have a shower in 15 years' time? I mean, 15 years ago, you probably weren't, weren't thinking, in 15 years' time, I'm going to go to that monastery and sit there on the, on the floor and this monk will give a talk. I bet you didn't think that. So, you know, how much of the present could you predict and how much now of the future do you feel certain about? You see, the future is really just a projection of the mind state in the present. So when you feel a lot of anxiety, the future is, is well, what if and could I do and what will it be like? If you feel a lot of pressure of things weighing on you, the future seems like, oh, it's going to be really, I've got to get this done by. Yeah. It's, it comes up like that. So this unresolved mind states create a future for us. Or it could be things you really want to do. Wow, I really can't wait to get to there and there and there and there. And then that future arises. So it arises out of the present mind state, doesn't it? The future that we experience now arises out of the present mind state. The person that we experience ourselves as being arises out of the present mind state. You know? You have a nice time, meet some friends, you feel really good, you feel fluent, you feel, you know, having a good time, you're flowing, you feel happy, you feel bright, you feel pleasant, great. You know, and then you walk away from that into some kind of mess up and you feel like an idiot. You know, (laughs) and any one of those 
one can create a whole series, pick up a whole lot of memories around and personalities around. But who we are, who we seem to be, is also just created in the in the present, the future, and and the past, and who we are are all you know, created. And who other people are created out in the present. We can we can reflect on, you know, the same person with the feelings of the, what the, what pleasant times we've had together. My old mate, so and so, so and so, so and so, we're great great buddies. And then suddenly you think of something didn't work out, that idiot, so and so, so and so, you know, suddenly it becomes like that. Or our positions. So these these beings can haunt us, can walk around, you know, haunting us, arising up and taking over and dominating our lives. And we follow them. We follow who we feel ourselves to be, who we think we are, who we feel ourselves to be, and try and follow that story. And it's always being challenged because sooner or later something proves that's not what you are. You know, your mood changes, things don't work the way you... And yet we build up another one. So having been a success, you become a failure. And then having been a failure, you become, you know, accepted. And having been accepted, you become rejected. Having been rejected, you become... You know, and it goes on and on. And just keep becoming these different people. And it's all coming out of particular... Emotions and responses that have not been fully released. So they build up. Yeah, build up the, the sense of, of joy or, uh, or disappointment. You know, it builds up. It's kind of, and then it, the bubble bursts. And, oh. So there is no future. And there is no self. Or there's no nothing that we can see as manifest that we call ourselves actually is permanent, lasting, substantial, reliable. Yeah, it's incredibly um, entrancing because there's this sense of wanting to be one, wanting to know who we are. Because if we know who we are, we feel more confident how to play our lives. We kind of strategize so that we'll be okay. We'll have the right connections and we'll have the right stories and we'll have the right tools we'll have the right whatever it takes the right gestures the right social stuff to get on yeah, so it's coming out of, of that naturally enough the uncertainty of our life so meet that because it, however much we strategize, plan work things out do deals create structures it still remains uncertain Fragile. Any structures we create, any relationships we create, something as knows it could it could fall apart. It could go, and then it does. So whatever we lean on, in terms of of our structures and you know things of this nature, relationships, occupations, things we feel we depend upon. And lean upon them, they end up leaning on us. 
whatever you lean on will lean on you. <laughs> you think it's going to support you, you end up supporting it. <laughs> yeah. Is it the case, you know? What we do, our jobs, our relationships, our social structures, is, you know, if you lean on this monastery, it ends up leaning on you. You depend on it. You ask it to be something for you, then you've got to carry it. Make it work. Make it the way it should be. And of course it isn't. It's just continual arising, shared mutual arisings, with nobody really in charge of it. Nobody able to control it. So it seemed like madness and chaos, except there is this faculty in us that we make our way towards with degrees of success, sometimes missing it, but often with a good enough degree of success to stay open, to develop generosity, patience, kindness, wisdom. And that's what keeps things flowing. You know, it's the paramita, it's the virtues, not, not the self not the systems, it's the virtues that keep it rolling. And that's where you kind of rely on, that's the securest thing you can do, is keep coming back to being patient with what arises, being kind with what arises, being resolute with what arises, being discerning with what arises. Don't get fooled by it, look into it, what arises. It starts to feel solid, like it hasn't arisen, but it's actually a solid state, you know, not something that's happened, but actually structured in, that's to really look at those. Really look at the solidities of one's life, whether it's other people, them, him, her, they are, or yourself, I am. Really question those. Because it's the ones that don't seem to be arising that are the, the really problematic ones. The ones seem to be just actual fact, rather than something that's bubbling up. Those are the ones that are most deeply entrenched hmm? you know so we can take ourselves to be you know a victim or a, or a, someone in charge of things or the one who gets left out or whatever you know hmm. uh, uh, yeah and it can carry a huge amount of karma in it uh, those are the ones you really want to meet say who is this bring this one in sit down with it how does it feel? What does it do? Now you can see some of these these qualities we have. The one that wants to, you know, make everything work, control things. You know, what does it want to control? It wants to control everything. So it's a really big job, isn't it? <laughs> One is going to fix, when you look at one's going to fix things, make things right, what are they going to do? They're going to fix everything. You do one thing, you'll fix the next thing. That's another big job. The one who's been hurt, well, they've been hurt by everything. <laughs> you know, so all, we can, all it can do is just tell this story of the bad deal I've got now, nobody looking, you know, no, 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 no. Wow. So, uh, and it's, it seems solid. And it, in its solidity, it can create with as much finesse as any one of us can create our future and our past. It creates that with a no problem, magic wand, totally 
and it lines up all kinds of statistics to prove it. So we have to check, you know, the, the point of the Four Noble Truths as a practice is to say, yeah, okay, well, right story. Okay, let's not question the story. Just question, is there any suffering in here? <laughs> is there any stress in here? Is there any pressure in here? Is there anything in here that you, you know, that you, you're finding uncomfortable? Yeah, okay. Do you realize you could, you could be free of that, that discomfort, that story? Do you want to be? Or would you like to keep it going? So this can this process continually undermines that building up of pressure, building up of solidity, building up of got to get somewhere, building up of who I am, building up of how I'm not enlightened and I've got to get enlightened. It continually undermines these these bases from which the mind builds up huge amounts of pressure that people crack up under. And if you if you follow any of those tracks in meditation, meditation, you know, is, is a, I mean, it's a concentrated experience. You're sitting there, there's not a lot of external input. So, and you're staying with something. Now, you can build up a huge amount of head of steam on any of these stories, to the point in which they, they actually take over. And this is what we call losing it big time. <laughs> you know, versus lose it to a degree, but losing it big times when you really flip, you know, and people do. And the mind has that power. It can throw you into a future of fear and terror. It can make you compulsive, feel uh, paranoid, feel, you know, uh, desperate, feel angry. Uh, and it just builds up a huge amount of emotional and, and uh, mental energy that can be more than your mind can handle. <clears throat> So you've got to be just get used to a process of you know meeting the apparent solidities of your life. You know the stories we can have of how we've never done it. And I was talking to somebody a, a while back, and he was in his fifties, and going how you know he'd missed his opportunity when he was twenty-five. He'd done some things, or he, he almost you know he had this spiritual practice, but he, he lost touch with it. Now in his 50s, it was too late. And he'd missed his opportunity. He's 55 or something. You know, well, missed it, missed the boat. So I said, well, actually, that's what it's like being 55. When I was 55, I felt felt the same. (laughs) It can be like that. (laughs) So you get the sense of, because the, right you know, you create the past of how you were and how you could be, and you create the future. Of what, what you, you know, imagine the future of what you could have been if only. And after about 50 years, you've got plenty of, of, of resources to do that. If only I'd, you know, met that woman. If only I hadn't met that woman, <laughs> <laughs> then I could have. If only I'd gone there and really listened to that person, I would have. If I hadn't got into that, I'd have been there by now, you know. You know. So you've got plenty of those you can run through. 
and this sermon of regret. Oh. But all we know is now, here we are, and mm-hmm. how much is the past still carrying its weight? And then rather than go through all the different stories, you meet the sense of regret, of feeling, oh, not so good. Oh, not very, oh, wasted. You know, meet that one. It's not very pleasant. But you, with that process, you, 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 you cut off all the stories and just go to the fundamental emotional message and what that does to you. The pressure of it, the complaining of it, the sadness of it, the craving of it, the blaming of it, you know, whatever it is. There it is. The blaming, the hurtness, the feeling unfair, you know, wish I'd only. There it is. And how does that feel? So when we meet something, you, you, you have to meet it as an arising experience rather than something that's solid. So the first thing you've got to do is to what's the real, you know, continual charge of energy that keeps this one afloat? Who's blowing the air into the balloon that's keeping this thing big and bouncy? Hmm? You, can't de- you don't have to deal with all the, the topics. You don't have to deal with the balloon. Just deal with what it is now that's pumping energy into that particular inflation, that particular story. What is that? Anxiety, insecurity. Okay, that's, yeah, everybody has that, I imagine. So, and meeting it is, is not coming from the idea or the thought about it or explaining it or having an answer to it, but almost like meeting it uh, in terms of Dhamma. Now, what this means in terms of Dhamma means, you know, where you feel yourself centered, you come back to a quality of, of openness. You're feeling you're, you're feeling you're centered in your body. You can feel your body. You're not prevaricating. You're not fudging the issue. There's an emotional openness to accept that, and stay. And then you, that's what you do. You don't do anything more than that, and you let it do what it does. Moves around. Sometimes it triggers other things off. In this process, you start. You, this is the way you peel off old karma. You meet it, and it's holistic. It's not about figuring things. It's not about justifying things. It's not about blaming anything. It's just this place we have, you could say, a place in the mind that does that. Now, normally we might experience the mind as, as that which uh, responds, is affected and responds. It, it feels something and it responds. It sees something, hears something, something comes in, causes a feeling, causes a memory, and we react, we respond. So you get this input and then output. You know, you see something, you feel excited, you move out. You feel something, you feel disappointed, you do some, something else happens, you know. Uh, we are physically act, or we, the story starts up in our minds, or we get an emotional response. So there's that. This is the place of your contact, is the place where you get something comes in, contact, and then there's a response.
Now the place of, of meeting is, is, is like the place where we feel the contact and instead of, instead of the, the res- response, we just pause. Like you want to feel the contact more completely. So it's not that you're saying you're not going to respond, but actually you want to get it more fully. And you feel what it's doing. So it's not just a kind of an immediate flicker. Yeah. It takes a little bit longer to really get it, to let the, the resonances move through. Not much longer, but a bit longer. Do you? Yeah, I got it. And you, when you emphasize just meeting, just listening, just being aware, just being present there, rather than what we're going to make out of it, how we're going to deal with it, you keep emphasizing that because we have a thousand times an hour to do this. It's not, you know, you don't get it right first go. But you gradually get better at just that inner pausing of that place where the response is about to happen. You know, so that we get something then can arise like a, a response from the depths of the mind rather than just a, a ricochet reaction. It goes against a lot of our conditioning, which is often to get those responses happening quicker. You know, trigger, hair trigger reflexes. So, you, you know, that, that can be the conditioning of our lives, kind of, you know, to get quicker, faster, quicker on the draw, like a gunslinger, you know. <laughs> and they kind of that, yeah. Uh, Quicker, faster, quicker reflexes. But remember, every every reflex, however quick it is, is still a reflex. It's not necessarily a response from the depths, a response of wisdom. And you can see why those hair trigger reflexes get so much priority because our our lives can feel so much like we've got to get things done quickly or it's threatening or you've got to get on top, you've got to be sharpest, you've got to get in there before the next person does and so on. So you look at, you know, the kind of lifestyle that that cooks up for you, what it's based upon. And this is the self-view you know the sense of quicker than the quicker than the next get in there quick feel alone feel you've got to make it work hurry up get that done get excited you know it's really very much a kind of a self-centering and we some people are good at it you can get good at it for a while until eventually you slow down so so you, so you can get ahead in the world through that 
and this is highly recommended. You can now you can um, buy all kinds of technology to help you get there quicker. You can have these you know, iPads and iPhones, so you can get quicker messages and respond even quicker. And you can multitask wherever you are, sitting on the bus, sitting on the toilet. You can still be doing a business meeting. You know, having internet communications with somebody in Singapore while you're sitting on the loo. <laughs> so you get faster at it and you can do a deal quicker and quicker. And it only costs you money, of course. And it, it means you, you're actually going to get to that nervous breakdown much quicker than before. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to wait till you're 40. You can do it like by 29, you'd be a wreck. So quick off the ball, <laughs> quicker reflexes. Don't just sit there gawping, you know. Like, oh. <laughs> but there's not a lot of parami, not a lot of uh, depth, virtues in just reactivity. You know? It's kind of could be fun for a while, but it's so it's so caught up with this sense of the the independent self who's got to get ahead from everybody else, who's got to work and make it work and be approved of and get it right, you know, be on top and so on, have fun, this, that and the other. And where does it go, you know? How long are any of us going to be able to get ahead and on top before, you know, you lose it one way or another? And you can take that attitude into meditation, the same sense of what I think I am, what I think I should be and I can do this, I can get there. And... Yeah, you know, you can get ahead, but you can also crack up and do it. So what's really valued, I find, is a sense of the humility to just notice where I'm suffering, notice where I'm uh, fearful, notice where I feel I've got to be, notice what I feel inadequate, notice how I compare myself with others and I've got to make sure I'm as good as this one and on top of that. Before I follow that, just notice that pressure of having to be something you know, this is bhava bhava tanna one of the form, basic forms of the origin of suffering one of the three ways in which suffering is originated through this needing to be something <laughs> needing to be solid needing to have it figured needing to get ahead and how what a nerve ending that hits if you don't, you're not going to get ahead. You'd be kind of insignificant failure. Being enlightened is special, important. It could be one in a million. Fancy that. You know, how many people in Croydon are enlightened? You could be the first person from Croydon, Walthamstow, or Worthing, wherever it is, to be enlightened. That'd be rather special, wouldn't it? You could stick chalk that up on the door. Rather than everybody else is just kind of floundering around doing the groceries and having kids and walking the dog, you could be enlightened. Much more interesting and special and important experience than just kind of walking the dog and getting the groceries. You know, so. So if you're a monk or a nun, you're in enlightenment business. Why aren't you enlightened by now? Yeah. Oh, goodness. 
so-and-so, so-and-so was enlightened, Ajahn so-and-so was enlightened. You're not like them. So that kind of pressure to, 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 to conceive ourselves as being something or another can take us down some pretty convincing tracks. But the main, you know, you want to get behind that before that you get on that bus. What do you need to be? What's pushing you into being something? What are you, what are you trying to get away from? Feeling you are. If you're feeling you're kind of not getting anywhere and just humdrum and, you know, silly old so-and-so that walks the dog, not getting very far in their life. That's what you need to meet. That one. That sense of disappointment, that sense of painting yourself grey. <laughs> that's the one that's arising, isn't it? Feel it. Feel the, the emotions, the story, feel what happens in your body, feel the energy of it. You know, just meet it. It means we don't mess with it, we don't go under, we don't pull away. You come to this very fine place like you just putting a hand on it, just touching it like that. You're not pushing any pressure. The mind widens. The mind, because the mind isn't going forward or back, retracting, avoiding. It just starts to widen and grow more spacious. And that's what's needed for release in that spaciousness of the meeting. All that bottled up, tangled energy starts to realize we're pushing against an open door. Oh, wow. It's really quite easy. The difficult thing is that a lot of what arises, we get on the bus, we jump on it and move down the track away with it. That's, that's the snag. Yeah. If you meet something, you know, there it starts to, to change and unravel pretty pronto. Problem is, a lot of the time we don't meet things. We just go along with our painted self with our clothes on with our sense of identity and future and past and what people say and what I say and what I think and what I think people think and so on social condition Mm. it's the place where the pressure releases And as you cultivate or as you, you know, rest in that place, then stuff comes up, more stuff comes up that can be met. Sometimes just sitting in, in stillness, sitting, walking, going, letting that process take place because there's nothing else to do. And this is kind of the, the theme of meditation that not, there's a lot to this, to make it, there's not very much to do apart from just to, come to this place where you can allow that process to to take place you're not going to get in the way of it you're not going to keep you know heaping new stuff on top of it you're just clearing out letting it clear out creating a space where things can clear out and uh, the beauty of it in my experience is, is that somehow within that there's something very humorous very warm very 
uh, humorous and bright somehow. There's a quality of brightness there and humor because you start to, you know, see with some astonishment just how convincing one's absurdity is. <laughs> the stories of it, you know. Well, this is really fun, isn't it? You know. And this is the, the mind when it's not preoccupied has got this, this instead of its, its creativity, instead of being creating all these crazy concoctions of past and future and self and other, it's just like it's just open and it's, it's bright and it's got this kind of warmth to it. Mm. Soft, quiet, enjoyable. And that's part of it too. You know, for our meditation or our Dhamma practice, we should be one of the signs we look for or, or, or contrast in is this sense of the quiet enjoyment. It's not wham, bang, crash, you know, trumpets blowing, uh, but this sense of uh, uh, like a quiet, very gentle, quiet feeling of well-being. It's got no specific object. It's not because of something. It's, it's because of the absence of things. The absence of concoctions reveals an innate well-being. So if it's not it's not going that way, if it's getting more intense and more pressure, and more special experiences, one should be very cautious of it. The aim is to, to release rather than build up. Anyone?